everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you are an idealist in vision and a pragmatist in execution. This week I'm excited to share an international guest with you today and he has a really great accent that you'll be able to recognize as soon as he starts talking. I'm excited to share his story with you so without further ado please meet Jack O'Connor. Okay, very good. Yes. Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, my full name is Jack O'Connor. And as you can tell by the accent, I am a proud native of Ireland on the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, I'm currently a junior inside in college in the University of Limerick, which is my local university here in Ireland. And as well as that, I'm fortunate enough to be the founder and co-project lead of Moyo Nua. Uh, Moyo Nua is a project working with smallholder farming communities across sub-Saharan Africa. And as well as that, I have spent a year as Ireland's United Nations Youth Representative. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in that short introduction, but we are going to begin with Jack's project, Moyo Nua. I asked Jack to tell me more about the mission of his organization, and Jack shared some about his process to create the project as well. Of course. So I suppose whenever I do speak about Moyo Nua, it's important to highlight the understanding of the name. It's uh, as listeners are probably aware right now it is quite an unusual one at that but what Moyonua is it is a dual language term between Chewa which is the language of Malawi and my own native Irish and it means new life and I do think that that encapsulates the vision and indeed the mission of Moyonua. So in a nutshell what Moyonua does is that we create, manufacture, distribute and uh, test out um, agricultural technology innovations uh, on a very simple basis for smallholder farming communities across sub-Saharan Africa, especially least developed countries. So I suppose the whole entire purpose of that is A, to reduce labor intensity for farmers in these communities because our planting innovations or our handheld seed planters eliminate the need for bending over with that. And as well as that, we also create trade and employment opportunities in these areas by the manufacturing of our agricultural products. So I am very interested in the concept of sustainability in nonprofits and projects like Moyo Nua. While it's important to construct infrastructure in less developed countries and give people the tools to farm, it is equally as important to empower the communities to learn important skills to pass on to future generations. Simply, it's the difference between giving a man a fish and teaching him to fish. I asked how Moyo Nua tries to be different from those organizations who may swoop in, give people some of the tools they need, and then leave without much instruction or conversation about the actual needs of the community. This is what Jack shared with me about Moyo Nua. Admittedly, I think the project started off, uh, like a lot of the projects that you mentioned there in your piece, they started off with great intentions, but unfortunately, pragmatism isn't there. So um, I think a big thing that Moyonua always tries to do, I know I try to do it myself, is to be an idealist in vision and a pragmatist in execution. Of course, to have the large scale dreams and to really work on changing the world as best we can. But we have to be pragmatic about it and practical about it as well, because it's um, just quite a disparity in terms of inequality, in terms of development. And we have to be very knowledgeable and, I suppose, cautious and aware of the work that we are doing as well to make sure that it is practical for the end user. The end user in my newest case being a smallholder farmer and the smallholder farming communities that we work in. So we take what is called a bottom-up approach. And it's a word I only learned during the week, actually, which is a term called Jugad. 
which is a non-English word for frugal innovation, which essentially means doing more with less. Now, if for those who aren't fully aware of least developed countries, as the name suggests, these are countries across the world, primarily in sub-Saharan Africa, which would be uh, least developed in comparison, I suppose, to its Western counterparts. So essentially, we are trying to make something out of nothing uh, in a lot of regards with that. But I suppose making something out of nothing for us comes from the use of bamboo. Bamboo is a widely accessible product, probably most known across the Asian region itself, but also across sub-Saharan Africa. And we'll take Malawi for an example, because that's where Moyanua primarily operates in. So because bamboo is such a fantastic crop uh, product, I suppose, in our own mind, and it grows so quickly, it's that it's, it's quite affordable and quite accessible for smallholder farming communities. So that's how we kind of, that's kind of our foundation or our basis for all of our agricultural products. So we take the handheld seed planter, which is our main product right now, and it's almost entirely made out of bamboo with just a metal head at the bottom, which is made by local blacksmiths in each of the regions that we work in. So I suppose to kind of sum up, it is about using what is accessible to these regions and I suppose building that community. As I always try and say, Moyonua is more a community plugin than it is anything else. It is something that acts as a catalyst and just kind of allows the people and, and I suppose provides opportunities for these regions or for people to develop their own communities and to develop the trade, develop the innovation in ways that are extremely, I suppose, effective and personalized to them. Jack had the opportunity to visit Malawi and bring the seed planters he'd helped to develop to those communities. He had put so much work into Moyonua at the time of his visit, but his trip to Malawi was just as, if not more, motivational for Jack to continue his work as it was inspirational. I asked Jack to tell me about his trip to Malawi, and this is what he shared with me. Uh, I mean, look, it, it was a dream come true. Um, it, it started off with very humble beginnings. I mean, this project was a science and technology project for an exhibition here in Ireland back when I was in my final year of the equivalent to high school. And from that, then we ended up winning the prize to travel over to Malawi with Irish Aid, which is like the Irish equivalent of US Aid. And we got to see, uh, we got to bring over our initial prototype, which was entirely made out of steel. And we got to work with the farmers there in some of the lead farming communities across a number of different regions in Malawi. But it was actually there where we understood the importance of using bamboo instead of steel. And it kind of goes back to that bottom up approach, which I spoke about previously. Again, we had great intentions, but our entire product was too expensive and it wasn't sustainable. Uh, there was a lot of bells and whistles on it, and I think it's fine. It, it's fine in a, in a developed country if a tool breaks because you can just go to the likes of Home Depot or Lowe's. But if it breaks over in a least developed country, you could be waiting three to six months for a new one to come along from an aid development organization. So those things are just not sustainable. Whereas chatting with the farmers, we understood that they would much rather it be made out of bamboo. And again, I suppose <laughs> the, the customer's always right or the consumer's always right in this case. And we had to ask us a lot of serious questions about ourselves at Moyanua. And that's where we took a entirely new approach to product design and actually simplified the process drastically. So it was an eye-opening one for sure to trip over to Malawi, but uh, it, it really gave us a lot of foundational support as to what we needed to do in order to affect that change that we wanted to do. Now I wanted to switch gears to share Jack's other serious commitment with you. I asked Jack to tell me about his experience serving as the United Nations Youth Delegate for Ireland and how he came to be in that position. Mm, so I suppose to answer the first part of the question, it is very much a jack-of-all-trades uh, sort of role. It's fantastic. I, I Hands down, one of the best years I've ever experienced. 
And what we do in a nutshell is that we act as a conduit for young people in Ireland at the United Nations and vice versa. So I held a role between June of 2019 and June 2020, and we covered all 17 of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which was kind of our main mandate. And along with that, representing young people. But I suppose it offered a lot of exposure to the world of international relations and diplomacy. And as I say to people, I really got to see the inner workings or the inner gears of such a large multi multinational organization, such as the United Nations. But how it came about, again, I think I have, a, I don't know if it's a good habit or a bad habit of just kind of falling into these opportunities. But I was lucky enough to be presenting Moyanua when the assistant or the deputy secretary general of the United Nations, so the second in command of the UN, Amina J. Muhammad, visited Ireland. And I presented Moyanua and the two MCs on the night were the two youth delegates that I ended up taking one of their positions after they finished their tenure. So it's, uh, it was kind of a... Uh, I wouldn't say a fairy tale. That's a bit. That's a bit cheesy. But it, it was kind of a, a happy coincidence to be introduced to the program because, admittedly, I'd never heard of the program before. Presenting Moyanua there on that night, but it certainly piqued my interest as soon as I understood a bit more about it. Everyone in the world right now is struggling. For many, COVID is at the forefront of their problems. But Jack was in a position to relay the concerns of Irish young people to the United Nations. That's a pretty huge responsibility particularly during this time that is full of concerns. I asked Jack, what were some of the biggest concerns of Irish young people that you've advocated for in your position? And this is what he told me. Hmm. So I suppose we were very lucky to be exposed to quite a number of different elements in the United Nations and ones as well that I suppose, fortunately, I've never been subject to. So I suppose our first, our baptism of fire, really, or being thrown into the deep end was working in Geneva, I think, like five days after we found out that we were actually the new youth delegates and working with human rights defenders from across the world who were potentially at risk of horrific human rights violations and had been previously uh, due to their sexual orientation. So that was a big eye opener from me off the bat. But we focus on a number of different things. Um, SDG 4, quality education, obviously is a massive one for young people. And again, I think it kind of goes without saying why that is. As well as that, I'm a business student and I suppose working a lot in Moyonua, I focused on decent work and economic growth, which is SDG number eight. But on a personal note, it was SDG three and it focused on youth mental health. Uh, I, I suppose mental health, I've had quite an interesting journey with that myself, as a lot of people have. But I learned a lot about it from a more rational or practical point of view from working with the UN and just kind of laid bare a couple of times at a couple of addresses that I gave uh, on behalf of Ireland to the UN about my own struggles and experiences with mental health and um, dealing with the likes of low mood and depression at some stages. So I, I think having that opportunity really hit home about the effectiveness as working on the youth delegate that you can bring very grassroots issues and um, things that are very personal to people onto the uh, perhaps one of the largest stages of international relations and uh, humanitarian affairs. So yeah, definitely those, those three or four things would definitely be the primary ones, in my opinion. On this topic of mental health, Jack wrote an article and posted it online in August called Seven Things I'd Tell My Burnt Out Self. I asked Jack to tell me more about this article, which will be linked in this episode description if you're interested in reading it. Jack shared some of his own experience with mental health challenges with me. Yeah, I suppose with the article, I kind of put my heart on my uh, put my heart on my sleeve. I was working a fantastic internship inside in Dublin, which is like the capital of Ireland, 
bit away from where I'm from. It's during this lockdown, like where I'm from originally, I'm just surrounded by fields, sheep and cows. So living like living in a city, I suppose, was a big thing for me. But I was working this internship and doing great, you know, had a good social life, had just been announced as a UN youth delegate. So, I mean, I was flying pretty high professionally, at least in my own books or in my own world. And I think everything just kind of, I think, I don't know what it was, but I think the back just broke on everything that I was doing. And I ended up spending, God, was it six or eight weeks? I don't even know. I, I actually articulated it far better now than I am at the moment in my article. But I spent quite a lot of time bedbound, uh, which is a weird thing. I mean, I, <laughs> I would be one of the most sociable people I think myself at least when I want to be, but I'm always, you know, laughing, having fun, running around the place as best I can. But I think I grew a lot during that period and I learned a lot about myself. It's very easy for me to speak about it rationally now, or I suppose looking at hindsight at the learning outcomes from it. But at that time, Lily, I was so confused and I was just so drained. I couldn't get out of bed, which is such a mad thing to say even now. It's, uh, it's hard to speak rationally about something that seems so irrational. But that was my reality for a number of weeks. And uh, thankfully, I mean, God, thankfully I came out of it the other side. Uh, I came out of it because I had to go over to Berlin for a training weekend with the UN Youth Delegate Program. And that was the only reason I got out of bed. And even admittedly, after I came back from that trip, I was bedbound again until I went over to the US for the UN General Assembly. And uh, thankfully, the, I think the change of scenery and being able to immerse myself fully in the uh, UN role over there helped me a lot with getting out of it. But it was a weird time. It was, it was a very weird one. And you can even see by reading that article that there is still a lot of unanswered questions that I have. But the main point, I, I suppose, I kind of took from it, and I think it's point five, but don't quote me on it. And it's just simply to relax, man. It's, um, it's, it's such an important process. Like you said, for people who want to be high achievers or people who really push themselves to be the best that they can be or to make the most impact on the world around them. But I think it's just to kind of take a step back every now and then and just I suppose, smell the roses if you have that opportunity. Of course, sometimes when you're in the trenches, it's difficult to do that. But I think perspective is a massive thing. And it's something that I've kind of, the more I speak about with other people, the more I understand the importance of perspective and just really counting your blessings, whatever they are. And I suppose trying to make the most out of things that may be perceived as negative and just trying to learn from them as best you can, which is what I certainly tried and still try to do with anything mental health related. So, I would recommend that you read Jack's article, but as someone who has obviously thought about and acted to improve his own mental health, I want to share some of Jack's advice with you. I asked Jack, do you have any advice for people who may be struggling with their mental health and having those same burnt out feelings you've experienced? And these are his words of wisdom. It's a very cliche thing. And it's something that is said so often, but it is just to follow what you're interested in. Whatever it is for that given time, it's, um, again, I think starting off with Moyanua, I didn't anticipate to be working on it four years later, but I'm more committed now than ever because I just absolutely love the process. And I love, I suppose, the outcomes and the results. But if you give me, I suppose, the more administrative work or perhaps the more mundane work of Moyanua, such as administration and whatnot, I don't mind doing it because I can see the end result. But... <laughs> I suppose, as I said to one of the guys on the team yesterday, I don't think any of us expected us expected us to be working so diligently and spending so much time on sub-Saharan African development with a particular focus on smallholder farming communities. It's not something you, you typically put down like what you want to be when you grow up, but it's just something that I'm really passionate about. And it is a very obscure thing. And it's something even to this day, less so now, but certainly when I was starting off, I mean, friends and, and people that I would know would kind of 
looked down at me in a certain way because it was such an obscure thing and uh, it was seen to be, I suppose, random or, you know, the fact that you're not getting a corporate job or that you're not going straight into, I suppose, the more prominent roles that business students in particular strive towards. But it, it's kind of an analogy now of just like a horse with blinkers on. It, it's just to kind of focus and I try and stay in my own lane as often as possible. Very aware that it is a very obscure thing and that the majority of people wouldn't be remotely interested in it. But I'm interested in it. And it's, as you said, it's, it's what I do for fun. I absolutely love this stuff. And that's what it kind of is. Now, if you ask me in six months, six years time, it could be an entirely different story and I could be headfirst into something else. But at the minute, it's just kind of chasing those passions and, and chasing what you're, you're most enjoying. And I think with that, it's a lot easier to be good at these things. And I suppose to do or to fight for the hard yards like we have done, particularly in the past few weeks with Moyanua, um, in securing funding and whatnot. But it's uh, I think having passionate, re, uh, being passionate about something makes you far more effective at it. And then you can kind of turn something which started off as a science and tech project, <laughs> making planters for farmers in Africa into something that's now a, a fully fledged sustainable business that's actually creating pragmatic change. So that's what I would kind of say in a, in a very big nutshell. Okay, so Jack gave a great answer to my signature last question with his last answer, but I still had to ask him my favorite question. I asked, what advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference around the world? And this is what he shared with me. First thing is to keep going, no matter what it is. It's, um, I mean, like even with Moyonua, it's in a good position right now, but I mean, there's been, we went down so many avenues that were just dead ends. And to be honest with you, like there's just been so many ideas that I had from Moyonua that I chased and they were just stupid, but I learned from them so much. So what I would say is whether you're in a great place or whether you're in a low place, just keep going. That is the most important thing you can do. Uh, as well as that, uh, combating, I suppose, the constant work or the consistency that you need to do in order to create effective change is to look after yourself. And that's something for each and every, uh, you know, that's something different for each and every individual. It's uh, whether that's going to the gym for an hour or whether, like myself, it's just going for a walk when you can. <laughs> when it's not raining here in Ireland, I try and go for walks. But uh, unfortunately, we don't really have the blessing of great weather at the moment. But with that, it's just about finding ways to look after yourself. So that would be the second thing. And the third thing is the point I touched on previously, and it is just to follow your passions. No matter how obscure they may be, just chase them as best you can, especially while you're young. It's a thing I kind of told myself about a year ago, maybe less. And I suppose the two key things I have right now is that I have no dependents. You know, I have no, I have no kids. I have no family in that regard. I and I don't have any mortgage, so I have no overheads. So right now, I suppose I'm lucky that I can just experiment and just keep running with things like Moyanua and just see what can come out of them. Uh, so that's what I would say, those three things. Keep the head down, keep going. Second one is to just look after yourself. And the third one, just follow the passions. Uh, as cliche and all as it is, it's, those would be my three fundamental points, I suppose. I think Jack's advice is absolutely spot on. But I actually want to go back to one of the earlier points in our conversation because it really stuck with me. Jack said, be an idealist in vision and a pragmatist in execution, which I think is a really important reminder for anyone trying to make change in our world. It's great to set your sights high when making change, but it's also important to recognize that sometimes to implement the most meaningful change, it just takes tapping into reality. Many people set their sights on leading the march or starting their own organization. Maybe right now, the thing they need to recognize is going to the march and volunteering in the organization 
is the most important and the most meaningful step toward making change at this moment. Not to say that you won't ever get to those leadership points, but to make effective change and to help others, you have to tap into your reality. Because change comes when you're an idealist in vision and a pragmatist in execution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Moyo Nua on Instagram at Moyo Nua to learn more and support Jack's organization. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.